and his respected wife Sayyida Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Say once, bo- after both of them had passed away, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had nobody to support him. And before that, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was actually uh, ostracized. He was put in the Shi'bah Abi Talib, into the valley of Abu Talib. So all these trials that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had underwent, Mi'raj occurs after these trials. And together with that, before the advent of Mi'raj, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had gone to Ta'if, and the people of Taif had treated Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam very harshly, very badly, and to such an extent that they had physically harmed Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So naturally any person would feel grieved, would feel rejected, would feel hurt. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowing this, knowing what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was going through, decided to recompensate Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to, so to say, to give him tasalli, to condole him, so to say and take him on the journey of Mi'raj. But before we actually go further, it is important to note that whenever we are going through any difficulties in life, we are going through some challenges, maybe sometimes the business is not right, the children are not listening, and a person is making efforts, he's trying to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's trying to bring his family closer towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's just not happening. We should remember that we should never ever lose hope. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it such that provided a person is sincere for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person is running that business so he can stay away from haram, a person is training his children, is training his family to bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not the mere fact that they are not obeying me, I am the father, I am the breadwinner, they are supposed to listen to me, not for that reason, but rather a person is training his children, is advising his family members so that they can come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs us in the Quran Majid, that save yourselves and save your family members, your family from the fire of Jahannam. So it is a binding duty upon every single Muslim, every single believer to save himself and save his family members from the fire of Jahannam. When this verse was recited, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala who asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we understand how to save ourselves from the fire of Jahannam, which is to stay away from the uh, prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Nabi Sallallahu advised him that do the same for your family members. So that verse applies to all of us, that we ought to make an effort upon ourselves primarily, and then obviously upon our family members as well. So when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi the advent of uh, Mi'raj took place, two angels, some say more in different riwayat, different narrations, came to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi while he was sleeping in the house of Umihani. They woke Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam up and they took him to the Kaaba, to the Masjid al-Haram. And then he fell asleep again, then they woke him up, they took out his heart. This basically was the first open heart surgery in the surface of, on the surface of the, the second, as a matter of fact, on the surface of the earth. Because after, before that, Nabi Wasallam, the incident of Shaq al-Sadr, the splitting of his chest was done when he was a young boy. Anyway, so they split open the chest of Nabi Wasallam. they washed it with Zamzam, and some say, according to different narrations, they, re, they removed a black cloth from the side, from the heart of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The details you can read in the Sirah Kitab, what exactly was that black cloth of blood. So then they took, then after that Nabi sallallahu performed two rakats and they placed him on the burak and they took him to Masjid al-Aqsa wherein he performed another additional two rakats and after that he led all the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam in salah. This goes to show that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is khatimul khatimul anbiya and the best of all the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. So there can be no person today who can claim 
that they that Nabi Sallallahu Billah is not the best of the best. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this was one of the incidents that go to prove that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the best of all Anbiya Alaihim Apart from the hadith which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had related to the Ummah, wherein he says that I am the leader of the children of Adam, and even Adam Alayhi Salatu Wasallam will be under my flag. That means Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the leader of the entire mankind. So anybody who comes in today and tells you that Naudhu Billah there is another Nabi who is greater than Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam citing various proofs from the Quran Majid saying look the Quran mentions this Nabi or that Nabi in the Quran then his understanding is not right, it's incorrect because these incidents go to prove that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the greatest of all Anbiya Alayhi Salatu Wasallam So then Allah, then they took him, the angels took Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on the Burak to the seven heavens and beyond and wherever Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala wished will for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to go and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then blessed Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the greatest gift, which is the gift of salah. So what relates to us really at this moment is the gift that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was blessed with on this uh, majestic nights that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is the gift of salah. But before we actually go into the actual salah of how to perform salah, how to correct our salah, look at the sequence of events that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was woken up from his sleep and he was so to say purified. Hafiz ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, one great alim, he mentions that really a person who ought to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only that person who is pure. Only a person who is pure is worthy of standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thereafter worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that to attain that purity of the heart, and obviously before that is the purity of the physical body, meaning a person cannot perform salah in a state of jannah, but obviously. But then the purity of the heart and the purity of the external limbs, put it that way, is binding upon the person who is going to, to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first thing that the person is required to do is to make wudu. When he is making wudu, what are the various virtues of wudu? We learn in the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that when a person performs wudu, and then he sets out to the masjid to perform salah, لِيَقْضِيَ فَرِيضَةً مِّن فَرَائِذِ اللَّهِ Then the sins... Then for every step that he is taking, after he has made wudu, every step he is taking, one step will wipe away the sins, and one step will be used to raise his stages in the hereafter. And in another hadith of Rasulullah we learned that when a person makes his wudu, then the sins come out from his body. تَخْرُجُ الْخَطَايَا مِنْ جَسَدِهِ حَتَّى تَخْرُجَ مِنْ تَحْتِ أَذْفَارِهِ That so the sins come out from his body, until the sins that a person committed that have had an effect and they are so to say lying under his fingernails, those sins also come out from the person's body. So this goes to show the importance of wudu in Islam. Our beloved Ustad had actually mentioned that the first step to actually performing or getting your salah right, it starts off in the wudu kana. The manner that in which a person will perform his wudu will so to say be a gauge of what type of salah that person will perform. If the person in the wudu kana is not paying attention to what he is doing, he's just making wudu haphazardly, then so to say, his salah will also be haphazard as well. Because salah itself is an ibadah, is an act of ibadah. You are required to follow a certain sequence. And after that, after following that sequence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you for that. And again, coming back to the state of purity of the heart, that the person has to be free of any sins. Whilst you are making that wudu, there is a dua that you are required to make. Allah maghfirli dhambi wa wasi'li fi dari wa barikli fi rizqi that a person has to make this dua and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness and for purity 
So anyway, when a person will make such a wudu, when he's concentrating on what he's doing, from the beginning, he's washing his hand, he's conscious of what he's doing, he's making, he's reading the various duas. And there are other masnoon duas that we ought to read while performing wudu. So then this person will come in the masjid, he will be in such a state that he is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already. And everything that he will be doing after that, he will be so to say cashing in after that. Once Mufti Gangoi rahmatullah alayhi, all of us are quite familiar with him, he's the grand mufti of India and the ustad of many of our senior ulama in South Africa as well. So he was asked that wasting water in the wudu kana while it's making wudu, is there any effect of it on, on, on salah? So he said, Nabi Sallallahu had ordered us that not to waste water whilst making wudu. So that alone, the Israf Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala doesn't love people who are wasteful. He said, no, apart from that, we understand that the person will get sin for that. So he said that when a person wastes water in wudu, he is deprived of the bounty of having concentration and devotion in salah. It may seem trivial to us that we just open a tab full. Maybe a person may be even contributing to the masjid, so he's like, what do I care? I'm also contributing to the masjid. Which is not the way that a Muslim should think. But then the effect of that will be felt in the salah. That the person will be, it will be very difficult for him to actually build that concentration in salah. And remember, there are two aspects primarily in a person's salah that make the salah worthy of acceptance in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like we learn in a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu that when a person presents a salah, and that salah is such that it is not worthy of acceptance, then it is flung back like a dirty rag. It takes the form of a dirty rag and it is flung back onto the person's face. Now imagine those people who used to make wudu and this used to be their halat, their condition. One person, Zainul Abidin, I think it was, Ali bin Hassan, rahimahullah. Whenever he used to make wudu, then his face used to change. He used to change red. Upon being asked that, why is your face changing color? Why is your, first, why is your face, uh, face turning red? Then he used to say that, Do you know who do I intend standing in front of? Do you have any idea who I'm going to stand in front of after making this wudu? And then another tabi'i, Zadan, rahimahullah, whenever he used to make wudu, then after completing wudu, he used to weep profusely. He used to cry until people around him used to feel mercy on him, he used to show mercy upon him. Then upon being asked again that, why are you crying so much? We just made wudu. I mean, that's a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then he used to say, I am going to stand in front of such a Allah who may accept whatever I'm going to present before him or may fling that in front of me. So this goes to show how important it is that whenever we are performing that wudu, that we perform that wudu properly, not just haphazardly. And what are the four points or what are the points that we can have in mind whenever we are performing wudu? Number one is to take cognizance, to be cognizant of the virtues of wudu. That whilst I'm making wudu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wiping away my sins. Whilst I'm making wudu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rewarding me for that wudu. And then number two, to think of the promises of Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sounded in the Quran and the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the punishments which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sounded and warned us in the, in the Quran and the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And number three, to know very well that whilst we are performing that wudu, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching how you are performing that wudu, like how a person observe a worker of his, that look at the person, how is he working? How much does he care for this business? Or a child who's doing some khidmat in a house, who's taking care of the chores of the house. How is this person doing that, uh, those chores, carrying out those chores? Is he doing them grudgingly? 
easy doing them happily. And as a matter of fact, look at the encouragement Allah Wasallam gives us. Once Rasulullah Wasallam, it was a style of Nabi Wasallam that he used, to in, he used to employ different ways of teaching the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala. Sometimes it will be a question, sometimes it will be an incident, etc. So once Nabi Wasallam asked the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala, ألا أدلكم على ما يمحو الله به الخطايا ويرفع به الدرجات Should I not show you what we say a rhetorical question Should I not show you of a deed through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wipes away the sins and he elevates the ranks through it So the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala we ought to take this home The Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala were always keen of learning from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We need to ask ourselves how much time are we dedicating towards learning our deen and in turn, when we learn our deen, we will progress. And besides progress, what will spur us on to God, towards our mind, towards actions? Hafiz ibn Rajab rahimahullah explains in this kitab of his that I was reading before uh, in preparation of the bayan. So then he says, Man lam ya'rif thawab al-a'mal The person who does not have the knowledge of the rewards of actions. The Fazali Amal that we are encouraged to read, that we ought to read, that is read in a different masajid. Really, it is a great book. If a person will take whatever is being read there, then half of his ibadah is so to say done. Because the ahadith that are contained there, they will spur a person on towards Amal, towards action, towards practicing. So he says, the person who has no knowledge of the thawab, the rewards of the various deeds, then thakulat alayhi jami'ul ahwal or jami'ul a'amal. That the person who has no idea of the rewards of the various acts of ibadah, then with every coming ibadah, for him he will feel very, very difficult to carry any good deed. Why? Because he doesn't have the tasawwur, he doesn't have the istizar, the presence of mind that I'm making wudu, this is the reward. I'm going to masjid, this is the reward. I'm sitting in the front of the masjid, not in the back of the masjid. This is the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is affording me. Allah maghfir lahu, Allah marhamu, the persons who occupy the front surfs and not sitting and reclining in the back. Wherever you heard of Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala that when you're listening to the words, and these are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu recently Muakatani was mentioning in the morning dars. He's saying that we ought to take the words that are being recited, meaning the hadith, the Quran, etc. As if sahibul wahi is in front of us reciting them. How would we sit? Will we recline in the back of the masjid? Will we sit however we want? Because these are the words of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So to be conscious of whatever is being said and to sit with the intention that I need to make amal, I need to practice on whatever has been said. Because these are actually the guidelines which Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is giving us. In exchange of what? In exchange of Jannah. That they will practice on these advices of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless us with Jannah. And then number four is to ask ourselves again, who has commanded us with this, uh, with this wudu? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has commanded us with wudu, with the act of wudu. So keeping these few acts, of, keeping these few points that have been mentioned, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us to fig, to practice on whatever has been said. I started a bit late, so now time is up. There's still a little bit more to say. Inshallah, if we get time, we'll try and continue. May Allah ta'ala grant us to fig of understanding what has been said and making it a point to take to heart whatever advices of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa being given in the masjid and, uh, and uh, various ayat of the Qur'an. Obviously, some of us may not understand the Qur'an, but to make it a point to learn deen, to learn further. 20 minutes on Yomul Juma, 20 minutes times 4 a week, that's 80 minutes. Then times it by the year. And then you ask yourselves that 
how much effort am I actually giving? How much time am I, how much effort am I actually making? And how much time am I actually giving? And what do I want in return of whatever time I'm giving? I want Jannatul Firdaus. Is that fair? Allah Nabi Sussam tells us, the treasures and the price of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely, extremely expensive. We need to give our best. We need not only our best, our utmost best in order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward us in accordance to the action that we are giving. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us to fix.